break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 19th of May, 2022. Happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the deepening economic and social crisis in Sri Lanka. But before we get there, we want to talk about the ongoing baby formula crisis here in the United States. With baby formula stocks reduced by nearly 50% of normal availability, parents across the United States are scrambling to find food for their infants without any clear sign of relief. This week, Congress and the president have stepped into the breach to try to address the crisis, or that's what they say they're trying to do, with two new bills passed in the House of Representatives and an invocation of the Defense Production Act by the White House. Now, whether or not any of these actions will make a difference, however, is an entirely different matter. In the House, two bills were passed yesterday, one in a bipartisan fashion and one more or less along party lines with mostly Democrats voting for it. The bill that gained wide bipartisan support, just nine Republicans dissented, was H.R. 7791, the Access to Baby Formula Act, originally introduced by Representative Johanna Hayes of Connecticut. The bill addresses the requirements in the Women, Infants, and Children, or WIC, program, which is responsible for about half of all formula purchases in the U.S. WIC is a social support program for pregnant and nursing women, infants, and children below the age of five, and it's for people with incomes between 100 and 185 percent of the federal poverty line. So in other words, parents and children living in low-income households. Just over 6 million people receive WIC, and in the past decade, that number has been as high as about 10 million, although roughly about 40% of those eligible in a given year never apply, which, if nothing else, does speak to the scale of poverty wages in the U.S. when millions of people are eligible for government assistance for basic things like baby formula. WIC operates on sole vendor contracts, so each state enters into contracts with one company to provide formula for the program, which is funded by federal money but carried out by the state government bureaucracies. H.R. 7791 allows the federal government, in the event of supply chain disruptions and or several types of emergency situations, to allow WIC programs at the state level to temporarily break that contract and allow the purchase of any equivalent available formula. It also requires anyone who wants to receive a contract to provide baby formula to the WIC program to describe how they will protect against disruptions to supply, including in the event of product recalls. The bill also waives some administrative and licensing requirements that could make it difficult to quickly conduct non-contract purchases. The impact of the bill is unknown. It certainly provides more flexibility to the WIC program, but given that the overall supply is depleted, it's unclear whether or not switching brands will really improve the situation or just add more players to the game of searching for formula of any brand available. The other seeming motivation of a bill like this would be to stimulate production by companies who don't have contracts, but whether or not that will work, 
also unknown. It's not that easy necessarily for companies to just ramp up production at any time. They may need to procure more supplies, more workers, more machines, but also the bill creates limited windows in which this non-contract buying can take place, which means it may not actually be profitable for said companies to ramp up production to try to fill the gap. So, in a way, for this to work, it would probably have to work mainly in the future and would mean that all baby formula producers would essentially have to build in unprofitable capacity in order to be able to take advantage of situations that can't be predicted. And this is capitalism. So, doing something unprofitable, not terribly likely either. The second bill passed by the House, this is the one that 192 Republicans voted against, would appropriate $28 million to the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, to hire more inspectors to be able to inspect foreign baby formula imported into the country to alleviate the crisis. This has some immediate relevance since the Biden administration has authorized the use of military planes for baby formula importation, with the assumption being that it will help bring in larger amounts more quickly. Opponents of the bill contend the FDA does not need more inspection help, and it seems the answer to whether or not they do or do not need that help can only really be resolved once import levels increase and, if they do, if there's some sort of bottleneck or not. Both bills, of course, must still pass the Senate. It seems likely that the WIC-related bill will succeed. However, the FDA provisions may not be able to make it in the closely divided Senate. Although, again, it isn't entirely clear either bill would move the needle much on the crisis anyways. The White House has stepped in to invoke the Defense Production Act, which allows the federal government to make serious adjustments in industries based on quote-unquote national defense needs. In this particular case, the Defense Production Act is being used to ensure that formula producers have preferential access to the inputs needed to make the formula. Whether or not this will make a difference is also not clear. Most of the quote-unquote supply chain issues reported so far have to do with transportation and logistical issues as opposed to competition between baby formula makers and other companies. So it's not clear if moving baby formula companies to the top of the line in terms of the inputs will necessarily put more baby formula on the shelves more quickly. And on top of all of that, one of the major issues that exist here is actual production capacity because the current crisis is being majorly affected by product quality issues since Abbott Laboratories, the largest producer of many of the most popular formula brands, closed one of their main production facilities after two infants died because of tainted product. Abbott is now under a Senate investigation due to some of these issues. Senator Ron Wyden, head of the Finance Committee, is alleging that the use of profits for things like stock buybacks to enrich investors are directly linked, or at least may be directly linked, to the lack of investment in factories and personnel that led to the tainted formula and a widespread product recall that followed. Senator Wyden's announcement of the investigation noted the following, quote, Abbott has recorded record profits in the midst of a global pandemic. Last year, Abbott's net earnings in 2021 soared to $7 billion, a 91% increase from 2019. Since the pandemic began, Abbott's global sales have climbed from $31.9 billion in 2019 to over $43 billion in 2021. As Abbott generated massive profits, it rewarded investors last December by authorizing $5 billion on stock buybacks to boost the company's share price, and this is in addition to the $3 billion of stock buybacks Abbott already authorized at the end of 2019. As Abbott spent billions buying back its own stock, it appears that it failed to make necessary repairs to fix a critical manufacturing plant of infant formula located in Michigan." End quote. Senator Wyden's office also noted, since the passage of the 2017 Republican tax law, Abbott has saved billions in taxes and seen its effective tax rate decline to levels well below the statutory rate of 
Abbott paid an effective tax rate of 9.6% in 2019, 10% in 2020, and 13.9% in 2021. And this brings us around to a critical point. Why is such a critical good left only to the market to supply? Why should the vagaries of the market around profitability determine whether or not infants can eat? Why does our society allow every basic good to be a commodity to be bought and sold for profit and poisoned when CEOs want to cut corners? Clearly, and obviously, many more goods need to be nationalized and produced for need, not for profit. The real fix for the baby formula crisis is to end the type of system that lets Wall Street investors get rich while poor mothers struggle to find food for their children from Walla Walla to Westport. Sri Lanka has defaulted on its sovereign debt for the first time in its history today, as the island nation slips ever deeper into a massive economic crisis that has brought huge unrest to the country. Sri Lanka's action had been expected, and the central bank says it will soon present a proposal to restructure the debt, but it's unclear what creditors may accept, and on top of that, Sri Lanka's government remains in a precarious position with the population. There's almost no fuel left in the country, and gas stations are plagued by massive lines, some that can last days. Inflation is up nearly 50% from last year, and basic staples like milk, rice, and bread have all seen their prices skyrocket and are all subject to massive shortages, as is medicine. Some estimates say that 500,000 people have sunk below the poverty line because of the crisis, and the World Bank is predicting it will spike even more. There are long, sometimes 13-hour-long rolling blackouts across the country that are also set to continue and perhaps get worse. The crisis caught the world's attention because the current state of affairs led to massive protests that included the burning of politicians' homes, the blockade of the airport, and massive police brutality. Last week, over 100 were injured when 1,000 thugs affiliated with the ruling party beat demonstrators camped out in front of the prime minister's official residence. Repression remains serious as there is an ongoing state of emergency, as well as nighttime curfews and the military is out in force, including in the country's free trade zones, all of which is designed to prevent the massive protests and strikes that had been racking the country from continuing at scale. One political party, the JVP, that participated in the protest stated that 150 of its members had been arrested in a crackdown against the protest movement. They also claimed 450 had been arrested overall. Behind the crisis is a major foreign exchange issue. Sri Lanka imports large amounts of goods and depends in particular on its tourism industry to bring in foreign currencies to facilitate that. The impact of the pandemic had an effect on the lack of foreign exchange, since no tourists were really coming in, making it harder to import many goods, including fuel and food. The current government, the Sri Lankan People's Freedom Alliance, also cut taxes significantly after winning the 2020 elections in a landslide, which eroded the revenue base for the government. The SLPFA, controlled by the Rajapaksa family, portrays itself as center-left and promotes developmentalist politics, at least in their words. But it also rested support on a virulent form of Sinhala Buddhist nationalism, hostile to the Tamil and Muslim minorities, and with a strong military component to their rule that has come alongside draconian, quote-unquote, national security laws. Sri Lanka's other major problem that also affects foreign exchange levels is the out-of-control debt nearly $51 billion that successive governments have foisted on the country, attempting to promote various mega-projects. Recently, the government has decided to seek an IMF bailout, which undoubtedly will come with an austerity agenda. Sri Lanka is also asking China for debt relief and recently took a $1.9 billion line of credit from India to try to keep things afloat. China is often held out as a major creditor to Sri Lanka, but only holds 10% of Sri Lankan debt on par with Japan. 
As Reuters notes, Wall Street owns, quote, 47 percent of Sri Lanka's $35 billion in overseas debt as of April. Of this year's $4.5 billion foreign debt service bill, more than half relates to U.S. dollar bonds, end quote. The strategy of the government seems to be to just add on more debt and to conduct a fire sale of state assets. The prime minister is proposing to sell the national airline to issue more bonds and to accept a $600 million loan from the World Bank. So clearly the government has no real way out of the crisis and is simply looking to rob Peter to pay Paul. The protest movement is demanding the government step down, which it is refusing to do. Simply just engaging in cabinet reshuffles and in parliament, the government has solid backing, which means that it's going to be difficult to remove them from that perspective. But it's undoubtedly also why they seek to use force to hold down the protest movement to prevent extra parliamentary pressures from making their position more untenable than it already is. Things are at a level now that many are raising the possibility of a military coup, given the lack of an apparent political solution. Either way, conditions in Sri Lanka are dire and getting worse, and right now no one with their hands on the reins of power seems set to do much else than subject the people to greater misery and austerity. The question is, will the people's uprising be able to change this status quo? That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.